Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here from View from the Cheap Seats podcast. And this week we have one of the best sports writers in the game. And he's got a great podcast as well. Jonah Carey joins us on the podcast. Did you have fun on View from the Cheap Seats, Jonah? I had the most fun and my commute was about 14 steps down to my living room. We did it in your living room. We're in Denver. It's a little road. uh, I'm going to call it a road victory for us all. We all There's no one I want to talk to more than who right now during these baseball playoffs than than Jonah Jonah Carey. Carey. So join us on this episode because we take the deepest dive. Let me just say there is a three a <laughs> Mordecai three, three finger, finger brown reference. There you go. That's and by there. the way, Gar Ryness is not here. I'm kissing him. I'm, I'm giving love. a shout out now. I feel like he always needs to be at least in spirit. When we love talk. to the batting stance yes. guy. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost 1 million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Excuse me. <laughs> Somebody had a little saliva in a place it shouldn't be. Hello. Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Hey, I got it out. I'm not going to re- edit that. You know what? Because that's just who I am. You know, I'm a guy who sometimes gets s- saliva in his mouth in the part where he breathes and it kind of interrupts his speech. I'm a real person. I'm not some podcasting god like many of you think I am. If you haven't listened to the show before, it's uh, exactly what the title implies. It's just a conversation with me and a person, sometimes two people. And it's just kind of a freewheeling sort of free-formed thing. Um, Also, my theme music is by a band called Les Blanks, so check them out. Uh, And this episode is uh, really great. It's with uh, musician... Cody Marks, and uh, she also spends a lot of her time going into prisons and overseas to play for the troops, uh, and she is fucking a spitfire, <laughs> and she has some fucking great stories. It's uh, it's a pretty goddamn good one, and Cody and I also work um, with Wayne Kramer from the MC5, an earlier uh, episode of mine. Uh, with his charity, Jail Guitar Doors. Uh, so we do talk about Wayne a lot. So if you hear the name Wayne, we're talking about Wayne Kramer, Jail Guitar Doors, MC5. And speaking of Jail Guitar Doors, this Friday, March 29th, 2013, at 8 p.m. at the Nerdist Showroom, we are doing a comedy fundraising show for Jail Guitar Doors. It's Rob Delaney, Matt Bronger, Horatio Sands, Laura Keitlinger, Christian DeGay, Neil Hamburger, Myself, uh, Wayne is going to do a couple songs. It's $10 for that fucking crazy blow-your-ass-out lineup. It's uh, really going to be awesome. And if you're listening to this episode after March 29th, 2013, man, you fucked up. You should have listened to this early. You should have went to the show. I don't care if you're in Saudi Arabia, and I do have listeners in Saudi Arabia. You should have come. You should have come. But you know what? The good news is I'm doing more of these shows. But anyway, let's get back to Cody Marks and her, uh, this great conversation. It was really a lot of fun. Please enjoy Cody Marks, musician and activist. That's great because we started recording there and no one knows what's going to fit you like a glove. My brassiere. Oh, mine too. Fits me like a glove. Um, Cody Marks, you're one of them ladies that I'm excited to talk to you because there's so much to fucking talk to you about. Thank you very much. I'm excited to talk about myself. Yeah, a rarity in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't see people doing that much. No. A lot of charitable work. But I, I uh, 
You grew there's a, on your your bio thing that interests me because is uh, you you said that you grew up in Miami around like bikers and it sounds like you're how old were you around these bikers? It just sounds like in my brain I just picture a lot of rowdiness and there was a lot of rowdiness. I grew up in Miami, but I grew up in Little Havana. Uh, but my mother married a truck driver, and um, he had to find rednecks somewhere. So we go down south to the Keys, and there's a bar down there called Alabama Jacks, and it's on on stilts and plywood, and it's nothing but bikers and hellions. And I started singing with the band there when I was about nine years old. Oh, really? In and a bar? Yeah, they're still still the same band. Whenever I go home, they're still the exact same band, um, and we always do the same songs like Dead Flowers, Bobby McGee, that kind of stuff. Um, so I sort of grew up in Miami, which is a, a big city, but my dad would find ways for us to go out to the Everglades and canoe and all that kind of stuff. But bikers were a big part of it. Like I had a Honda 150 and my mom's biker friends found out about it and hung it up from a tree and beat the shit out of it. <laughs> and then, uh, you don't ride the rice burners as they yeah, call them. Yeah, no. So I, I've not been on the back of a Honda since. I'm, a, I'm definitely a, an American motorcycle kind of girl. Have you been in a Honda though? Shit, man, I don't remember. I was in a Kia a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that, that must have been real strange. Yeah. Nothing, no American stuff in there. Yeah, I didn't feel the love from that vehicle at all. But Oh, and I, I was thinking the store, Ikea. No, a Kia. Like oh, the Kia shitty Sportage. little car, yeah. But you know, I think we were going to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> That's so... To get some of those horse meat uh, meatballs that yeah, they had? Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, those are good. Yeah, and some tea lights. Needed some fucking tea lights. So I went through the whole mall that is Ikea to get one candle. That place makes me dizzy. And so yeah. I can't. It's like a casino for kind of like yuppies and college kids. To me, it feels like um, Auschwitz. Not that I've ever been there. <laughs> But it's you're a great being, vacation you spot. have to follow the arrows to in order to get to the pots and pans. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way out. Once you're in, you're fucking in. Yeah, I, it, it, it's maddening for me. You got to get a little pencil and a little paper. You got to remember what the fuck you wanted. Try to pronounce it. And I think that they name those, these things certain things so you just sound like a complete fucking asshole when you're like, can I have the roof and burn? <laughs> My friend wanted to do a game show where uh, people would have to try to put together Ikea furniture while drunk or, or high. Amazing. I have no finger, I mean, feeling in these two fingers because I tried to put a bed together once for my very large father. And I had all these pieces left. And my sister said, what do we do with the pieces? And I just kicked him under this new bed. And my father went to lay down and the thing just flopped on the floor. <laughs> couple, yeah. A couple hundred bucks later. It's, it's, uh, the, our, our generation won't have, uh, our kids won't have antiques that we pass on down to them because mm. it'll just... They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. For the next four years, no way. But getting back to... Now, what made you... Did you just jump up and start singing with these people at nine? Like, it was just like a compulsion? Like, you had no choice to do it? Actually, I was uh, just telling someone that I have this voice that sounds different for a woman especially somebody of my size <laughs> i'm not big i'm really cute i'm blonde i'm small um and my mother has the same voice and she said i said mom what, i want to be a musician she said whatever you do just don't sing i'll buy you a guitar you can do whatever but you were born with my voice and there's no way <clears throat> excuse me that you're going to be able to sing so for years i just hid and hid and hid in the fact that i was a singer and that's what i really wanted to do with my life i wanted to be johnny cash and everybody else wanted to be barbie but I really just felt this pull towards him and that kind of music and, I don't know, Americana kind of stuff. So my mom came into my bedroom one day and I was singing. I had my back to the door and in here. And she said, what, what have you done? And I'm like, oh shit, I got caught for something. But what? You know, stealing her cigarettes? Looking at Penthouse Magazine? What I get? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you have done something so amazing. My mother has just rolled over in her grave because I guess my grandma had the same voice. And so ever since then, they pushed me to do it, and we went to Alabama Jacks, and I, I was so nervous. But getting on that stage, I felt 10 feet tall, and I just, I, I naturally was able to do it. What was it like about Johnny Cash that drew you to, to that? Because, I mean, for a kid to be into Johnny, there's a little, you know, there's a little darkness to Johnny Cash's music. That I mean, I was also, <laughs> and right. I'm a dark, weird person. <clears throat> I don't know. I think what it is, and, you know, we'll get into the whole thing about Jail Guitar Doors, but... Um, I saw Live at Folsom Prison, just a, like a little piece of it, <clears throat> on PBS with my dad. And I was just so moved by that, about uh, these inmates that are like all dressed the same. They don't look like bad people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I've always just was drawn to helping them. 
And I even knew at a young age that nobody else wanted to help him. So you just, I think you're just born with this little kind of uh, blood in you of Johnny Cash. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> Plus, he was really silly, too. He wasn't just all dark and serious and all that kind of stuff. He was, he was a joker. Yeah, I've heard some pretty great stories about him. Yeah. Of acquaintance, like a friend of a friend of mine's brother got to spend like a week at his house. Like Amazing. He, he wouldn't let him leave. <laughs> he just yeah. kept it. He was like, next week's our bir- my birthday. You should stick around. And he would just, and my friend was like, I couldn't. Yeah, I'm going to say, no, Johnny, sorry, happy birthday, got to go. Yeah. Right. But lived with him. And he, he was just like supposedly the greatest. And like way into music, people never thought he'd be. Like he was way into reggae. Yeah, he actually, you know, what's really interesting is that he, the movie was good, but the movie was not accurate. I've watched hours and hours of footage of him being interviewed, and there was an Entertainment Tonight piece that was like in 1980 or something, and he, they were talking about his pill addiction. He was attacked by an ostrich in Turkey Hill, Jamaica, and he said, now, could the man in black come out and say I was attacked by a fucking bird? <laughs> like, they had to make something else up, but the, the ostrich broke two of his ribs, and he got hooked on Vicodin. Oh, is that how it happened? That's the truth. And you can actually find the footage, I'm sure, online. He he tells the truth about it. But of course, they're going to fucking blame it on Elvis. You know what I mean? They're going to blame it on that lifestyle. But that's not actually what happened. That's way better than anything else. Right. I would want to be an addict if, you know, I want that story. <laughs> yeah. I was a t- Yeah. So that and the fact that I was always drawn for some reason to the military. Never been in the military. I'm, I'm I... I'm a, I'm a patriot. I love this country very much. And I always wanted to find ways to serve the country, but I didn't know how. I mean, I have a sixth grade education. I've had a shitload of jobs, blah, blah, blah. And then 9-11 hit. And I decided right then and there I wanted to join the USO, which is Bob Hope, who's another fucking hero of mine, um, who did it, who's been doing it for years and years and years through all those wars and NOM and all that shit. He brought Marilyn Monroe over there all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and so... It took me a long time. I had to actually play a prison show in uh, Northern California, the gang dropout unit at San Quentin, before the government would give me the chance to go play for the troops and go to the front lines of the war. So I've always wanted to do these things, but they've all had to um, coincide with each other. You know how it is as an entertainer, like, well, what do you got? Like, what do you have to offer that nobody else has to offer? Oh, well, I play prisons. Oh, I play in the war. So you play these two things to where you become interesting enough to where you can go and do whatever. You can play Sweet Home Alabama for five hours and people are fucking enthralled <laughs> because you've done it for all these other people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, so as a kid, you were into Bob Hope? Yeah, I got it. I totally got what he was doing. It's, just, it's strange because I, I never got into Bob Hope, well, but, I, I <laughs> but I got into weird, like I was into Ernie Kovacs and really weird. And it's like weird for a kid to be drawn to I was drawn to what he things. was doing for the military. I not necessarily his career. I didn't like the way he spoke. To be honest with you, I thought he sounded fucking <laughs> thought he sounded really weird, but I got what he was doing by going to help the troops. It is a fucking lonely place over there and it's interesting because I feel like sometimes and being so many times I've been over there and, and done a lot of military tours, there are guys that are up in these posts that have to be there 8 hours a day that there's no like uh, iPod or book or anything like that. They, they have to sit stoic all day, fucking eight to 12 hours, right? What's the difference being incarcerated? I see a lot of them, you know, in, in each other, both the military and prison. I know that sounds horrible, but... It's an interesting point though. Yeah, and then you're over there and it's like, we do, we as a band, um, we have to do exactly what they do, which of course I'm going to do like... Boys and girls can't be in the same room, you know, like a, a room with a bed at the same time. They find ways. They sell thin mattresses in the uh, PX, which is the store over there. And we find them in um, the bunkers. Like people find ways of getting the fucking job done. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're talking about 20 year old kids over there fighting for their lives that can't have any fucking alcohol. They're going to they're going to fuck. You know what I mean? I guess that goes on in prison as well. No. Yes. I mean, if you're at war, I couldn't even, I mean, you you got to have probably sex after some like gun battles is probably pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I imagine I mean, the, re- some, the uh, release on that would be great. Like I still got my head. I got a fucking boner. We're good. I can see if my, my girlfriend and I should get some pistols and go out. <laughs> yeah, you should. No, that's interesting what you were saying though, because you would see a similarity What between prisoners and people in the, like what? Was there anything you put your finger on? Because that's real fascinating to me. 
I think what it is is just um, you're you're not with your family. Uh, you're isolated in the way that you have to like. There's a, you have a certain amount of time where you have to work out. You can eat from these twenty minutes to these twenty minutes. Then you go onto your post or whatever. Um, it's just a real fine line for me. It doesn't seem. I mean, it doesn't. It's not very humane. It's like it's a. It's yeah. not the way we're meant to be. It's gonna and it's gotta be. I don't know. Just gotta fuck with your self-esteem yeah. and your psyche. It's, it seems everybody's dressed the same. Everybody, the women have to have a certain you know haircut and all that kind of thing. There's no makeup or any of that kind of stuff involved. And it's just, I guess, the regimen. Like we're all free people. I can go to Venice right now, do a bunch of heroin, and fucking blow six guys. Right? <laughs> well, that was last Wednesday. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but you can't do that, obviously, if you're incarcerated or in the military. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I guess because I've always had my freedom and I'm so like, and I totally get it, especially after being in Saudi Arabia where I had rocks thrown at me and called a dirty whore and that was just by the people in passport control. Really? Oh yeah. Like they're horrible. Actual Saudis, not military. Folks. No, no, they're Saudis. You fly, when you fly over there, unless you're going right to Fallujah or certain bases, you go, you fly commercially and you belong to that country until you make it through passport control. It is this, the scariest 10 minutes for a female, uh, American female with tattoos and a cross around her neck. It's, it's the worst feeling in the world. You also have to have two passports. You have to have one that's stamped by the United States of America that shows that I'm an American. That's my passport. And then I probably shouldn't be sharing these secrets, but um, <laughs> another fake passport. And they make the, the outside a little harder because you have to know to reach for that one. It's in Arabic. Because if it's stamped by certain countries, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, all these other places that I went, then I will be detained. So you have to know which passport is where and how to make it through there, which is horribly scary for a woman because they, they don't like women over there, especially blonde women with tattoos. They hate the fact that I'm free. I'm not going to go over there. No, as, I don't recommend anyone Especially as a blonde woman. No. <laughs> no, you said something else that grabbed my interest. You said you only have a sixth grade education? Yeah. There's that. I'm I'm surprised that you remembered that. Well, because um, I actually am probably one of the few people in the world who wishes he would have dropped out of high school. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I regret not do, uh, doing it. Yeah, there's been people that have told me in my life that it actually was the best thing I could have done for me. Um, I was in juvie hall until I was in sixth grade. I used to uh, like to steal cars. In 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 elementary school. Yeah. You're a fucking badass. Well, my fingers were small. That was the only reason why I was hired. And in Miami, hired. Yeah, I was hired. By by whom? Chop and shops. I don't I don't know if I used whom correctly, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I think we're all good. Um I was just a crazy kid. I mean, I'm sure I've I've put all the gray hair on my mother's head that she has. I just I don't know, I was just a little different. It's it's interesting. So you were approached by a chop shop and they were like, Hey, I kid. wasn't approached, I just kind of fell into this crowd. And by the way, I was explaining it to this morning to Wayne that Everyone I know in Miami is incarcerated or dead or married and have babies to the people incarcerated or dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I got out of Miami. I left. I came here when I was 17. Um, to Los Angeles. Yeah. Somebody was heading out here and I said, can I get a ride? It was a total Bon Jovi video. I, I got a job at a diner on Hollywood Boulevard. I lived in a youth hostel, but I had to grow up like fucking fast. And by that, I mean... There was no time for drugs and antics and all that kind of stuff. And you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I had to be responsible for my own rent and bills. And at 17, that's that's a bit much to, to have to deal with. And at least, especially probably back then, it was a, it's a rough, it's a rough, weird place. If like it fucks your head up. It fucked. I came here at 31 and it messed me up for a few Where years. Where are you from? Chicago. Oh, Oh, to the guys who are docu- documenting you. Our, I use yeah, that word right. Documenter- documentarizing. We're artists. We can make up fucking words. Yeah, yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> Look at Bob Dylan. No one I've ever knowed. That's not a fucking word. No. But he gets away with it. Yeah. It sounded like old old, old Southern singing. Nobody ever knowed the yeah, troubles. Tom Waits. <laughs> um, I actually have an interesting story about that. When I first got here, I was working at a diner and I was living in a youth hostel like right all on Hollywood Boulevard when it was really, really bad. I think is that it's it still exists, right? It's on Hudson, but now it's called Schrader. Yeah, I think they do comedy shows there sometimes. Oh, that's funny. It's a weird place to do comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's not very happy. Anyway, so I'm I was taking I take a skateboard home at like two o'clock in the morning after they've cleaned the streets, so you're fucking hauling ass. 
I don't know where these guys grabbed me and jumped me and threw me up against this. You know when they close the stores, it's like a, a fence, like a gate? Yeah. Threw me up against the gate, took the $40 that I had made that night, worked all night to make this 40 bucks, and were about to rape me. And out of nowhere, this big, beautiful Bob Marley character comes out of nowhere with bells and things and dreadlocks. I mean, just like larger than life. And he said, little white working woman, you need to be walking home now. And I'm like, and the dudes just shot. I mean, they just fucking bailed. Like they were scared of this guy. And he walked me back and I was crying and shaking and like, oh my God, oh my God. But I never saw him again after that until about six months ago at three in the morning, my friend and I were coming home and I see him walking down the street with this girl that was about my age at that time, crying and shaking. And Holy shit. I'm pretty fucking sure he was an angel. But I know, you know what I mean? Like he gave me a, uh, a necklace. I still have it. And all the years I've moved and everything that I've done in my life, I always find the necklace. Either in a sneaker somewhere or my car. It's here somewhere. I don't know where it is right now. But he saved my life. And I think that he's like an angel of Hollywood Boulevard. That's a pretty awesome story. Yeah. I like that angels are uh, Rastafarians. Yeah, he, I know he was. <laughs> yeah, right. I know Fuck he was. Fuck that, real like, little white chubby kid good. thing. Yeah, no. He was not a fucking cherub. There was nothing. <laughs> he, he had, like, one tooth and it was in his back pocket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. When did, when did you start creating your own musics? Out here. Well, in Miami I did, but I was always with a bunch of guys that were older than me as far as musicians, and they would always pat me on the head and say, you should marry a musician with those tits. Like, don't be one. Just marry a rich one. Why bother? And so it was always felt condescended to by the musicians in Miami. So when I moved out here, you know, tried and tried and tried, but it was kind of the same thing. Like, nobody took me seriously, and I got really embarrassed and introverted, and I just kind of stopped trying. Um, and then I started an all-girl band called Honey House, and I was a, a resident at the Coconut Teaser. I don't know if you know. It's an old punk club back in the day. And I played there every weekend for like four years. And that's where I actually learned how to play and sing because there's no monitors, no way to hear yourself. And you have to know how to sing in order to play these places because there's, there's no other option. You'll get shit thrown at you, you know. Um, and that's when that started. And then I started working with other musicians. And then the whole prison thing started happening, which was really hard to do. It's very hard to get into prison. Um, really? I think a ski mask and a pistol helps. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not going to be interested in you singing for them, you know? So uh, I, my career kind of took off in a way. Like, I, I always feel like you know, I could die tomorrow. Like, all this is just cherry on the Sunday, icing on the cake, because all I ever wanted to do was play prisons and play for the troops, and I've done it a lot. And I don't really, I mean, like, I like playing. Like, we had that show together at the Echoplex, and that was awesome, and I love it. But it's hard for me to like book a show at the whiskey and beg 75 people to come and blah, blah, blah. Like I don't, I'm, I have more integrity now as an artist than I did when I was a rock star. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, LA's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. To creativity. Because yeah. they kind of don't want it. It's. There's so many agents and people in this town. I just hate those kind of people. The people that represent and handle the artists are the fucking devil. As far as I'm concerned, like I don't, they're not, they're, there's no, there's no, there's nobody in there anymore. Yeah. It's like on a personal level, it's been something I've been struggling with because I feel like you come here to be creative. Right. And I like how you laugh at that. But it, and then it's like, I re, like it dawned on me like within the last couple of years, it's like, I've been, I was kind of like miserable and grumpy and like, and I was like, oh, it's because everything you put out there they seem to be like yeah but how yeah. about and they just ruin but it who are the fucking yeah buts i mean when i was a kid and picked up a guitar i didn't even think about the yeah buts i didn't think about money i didn't think about any of that i just fucking man it sounded and felt so good to play stairway to heaven you know what i mean it just and i'm sure the first time that you've made people laugh that's what that's what it is so the more and more people pile on their own bullshit on your creativity <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, I totally agree. I just was enjoying it, your passion. It becomes, it becomes fucking macrame or like, you know, what did they call that shit with the newspaper and the glue that we used to do when we were kids? Oh, Decoupage or I don't know. What is that shit called? I think macrame. No, yeah, macrame is the goddamn paper, paper mache. Paper mache. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> macrame, macrame was those um, ropey fucking um, plant hangers back in the 70s yeah, that yeah, our parents yeah. had. That's macrame, and I really want to take that up. 
It's don't you think it's great or maybe it is like it seems like now you don't need we don't need those fuckers as much anymore. It's like I don't have no, you don't. I'm not right. holding it. And this is my little show has a decent following, and it, you know, it's like and I did it. No one and well, exactly. Dustin Marshall, the guy who helps me produce it, but I'm gonna give him a plug for sure. <laughs> but it's like we don't need it. We don't need agents anymore, and like the internet has kind of well, that's the whole. That's where. I work is at Maker Studios, and that's um, what is so great about. That's not a black flag shirt. No, no, that's not. But that's very funny because people have black flag. It's it's not as. um, I was never that big of. I mean, I liked them. I just never got super into them. So get it either. But um, (laughs) Maker is about like I run the facilities at this operation, but um, they they allow me and and. encourage me to still do my music and still be talent. Like everybody that's there is pretty much talent. It's, it's owned and operated by talent. So it's awesome because I could still go and do these crazy shows that I do, but I have a 401k. <laughs> you know what I, mean? so, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, I still get to be the crazy wacky go play prisons, which I'm going to be doing again. I'm sure with Wayne and I might do a couple of one-offs in Korea with, with the military. But, um, I, st- you know, as, as an artist, as a single woman, like taking care of myself, that I like nice things like deodorant, panties and shit like that. I have means to pay for those things that I'm not going to get from playing the biker shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although I don't need panties or deodorant when I play the biker rallies. No. They, they don't like that at all. They get a little filthy Hair in those? and stank. Hair and stank. Is they really into the stink? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I, you never I, know. I certainly hope that my friends in, out of Oakland don't hear this. <laughs> Oakland, where they it's all hair and stink anyway. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> now, how did you go about getting into these? Like, because it is, it doesn't seem like like oh, I'm going to play prisons and how the fuck does you, one do that? You have to basically go in with an operation or a reason. And the first time I did it, I went in with a company called Criminon. They're like a five. They're like a jail guitar doors. And what we do is the inmates have to have a certain amount of life skills or kind of you know, AA meetings, whatever they're in for, something that's self-helping them. And then they write essays on why they get to go to the concert. So not everybody gets to go to the concert. I mean, um, you know, I don't think I've ever played for somebody that's molested a child. I I hope I haven't. Um, But they have, the, the concert is the reward for something good that they have done. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, and then so I do that and I say, I'll be, I'll say, I'll be back in a year if you guys can keep your shit together, meaning no fights on the yard or any of that kind of stuff. And the warden has told me that I'm Santa Claus because there's literally no fights on the yard. But the problem is that the warden was doing so good and helping people, they fired the warden, so I'm not welcome back in that prison anymore. Wait, they fired him because he was helping people? Yeah, because he refused to call them inmates. He called them residents of the yard. He would give out certificates when people did good things. He brought me into um, graduation, you know, just me and my guitar, and we would celebrate the guys that have done well. And the state doesn't like that. The state doesn't like reform. Yeah, why, what do you think that is? It's disturbing to me. Well, we, you know, it's a money-making business, unfortunately. Um, I think also there's rumors, I don't want to say for sure, because I want to be welcomed back into prisons. Although sometimes they take out life insurance policies on the guys that they know are in the worst shape, meaning they flipped on their gang, uh, whatever, and the beneficiaries, the state of California. That is dark. Yeah. And that's been going on for, for a long time. Oh, then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> time heals all wounds. Well, that, that was, and you know, there is that sort of, it makes me question, there's a lot of manufacturing in prisons now, and it's like, why wouldn't you want to keep these guys in there so they could make shit, and the prison gets that money? Like, it's yeah, but it's when- a real slippery... Not it's not. I mean, it's good to have them be busy and have have prisoners doing stuff. But when the prison system is profiting on that, that seems a little yeah, but questionable. That's interesting because I was talking to Wayne this morning about that. Wayne Kramer and he was telling us that at Lancaster, our personal friend from the yeah. MC Five, yeah, <laughs> kick out the jams, motherfucker. Um, that there is a that Lancaster, which is our biggest maximum security facility in California. They have like huge buildings to manufacture, you know, skills and and, uh, manufacture skills, Um, manufacture things and teach skills. But all those buildings are empty. They're not actually using them. Really? So nothing's really getting done. 
I mean, for me, my personal opinion on the, on the subject is, okay, so a dude fucks up, right? Wouldn't it be better to put him to work cleaning up the freeways or making some, I don't know, some sort of amends to society rather than putting him in this little fucking hole and then opening the door someday? We're not, we're actually helping society by calming these guys down. When I go to prison, I say, hey, dude, thank you. And I've had guys go, what do you mean, thank you? I said, thank you for doing your time like a man. And they puff up. No one's ever thanked them. They're incarcerated. But if you're in there is exactly where God puts you right now or where you put yourself, then you need to do your time like a man, quietly get out and get back into society. It happens all the time. That's, inter- that's an interesting thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I'm, they- helping, I'm helping everybody else out. Like we had a break in uh, a few months ago into, into an apartment next door and I caught the guy. He's incarcerated now. He should be incarcerated for that. He needs to learn from that but it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a second chance and what if he gets the second chance right and we help him out while he's incarcerated when he gets out maybe he won't fucking break into a goddamn apartment so we're helping society by reforming these guys there's a whole other level of it you know what i mean yeah yeah it's like i feel like we're cultish like but what wayne says yeah (laughs) but but you know i've said it i way before i met wayne and i'm I'm fucking huge honor and being able to record with him today was amazing but i've been i'm in a tribe of people that i choose to be in meaning jail guitar doors and then you know the people out of austin and all that kind of stuff because i finally found a group of people that agree with me you know what i mean everybody Mm -hmm. i mean i've gotten hate mail why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you trying to help people that... And I've had crime against me. Because you go to prisons and... Yeah, and war and all that kind of stuff. It's weird how people turn... You know, it's like, they're still human beings. And it's like... Right. And, you know, like, not everybody in prison, you know, like with Wayne's situation being an addict, and it's like, you know, and he was like, un- the unfortunate thing with being an addict is sometimes you have to do criminal behavior to get your drugs yeah. or... right. And it's like, and I know people who ended up in prison. And it's like, there's, you know, you should treat them like human beings. Otherwise, they're going to come out and they're going to be pissed off. And they're and- going to do the same thing, but it's going to be worse because they were a bull in a china shop. And like, like veal. You know what I mean? <laughs> you keep this t- tiny calf. Well, they're, they're, these aren't tiny calves. They're they're inmates, but. Um, but cute. Like yeah, but one. they're really cute. And they work out. And there's some fucking good looking men in prison. Let me tell you something. Um, <laughs> but you, you get any numbers? Yeah, they're all numbers. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I've had uh, guys write me when they get out and thank me, but there's never been, they're more respectable sometimes in the military um, because they know that I'm there for for no other reason than to to thank them. I'm not making any money. I have to pay for these shows. I have to pay to get into prison, pay for the band, for, for the sound equipment, for to get everybody there, the whole thing. Um, and I met some really nice people in there, you know, and... I'm sure there's bad people in there. I'm not saying let's open the goddamn doors and let everybody out. I'm saying like, let's look at reform. 50% of the cases of people that are incarcerated are drug related. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of them, I don't smoke pot, but fucking pot came out of the earth. Call me crazy. But it's like, (laughs) really, we're going to fry this fish over selling marijuana where, you know, I mean, speed's a whole nother story. Like let's go case drug by drug. (laughs) Meth is not something I have ever done, surprisingly. But it, you know, that that just makes you loopy. It's weed. You just yeah, it's kinda... made out of Sudafed and manufactured in a bathtub in fucking Silmar. You know what I mean? I'm not going to put that in my body. And I'm totally allergic to weed, unfortunately, because I'd rather be a pothead than a trunk. And <laughs> you never hear of a guy getting stoned beating his wife. He's too fucking lazy. He's too happy. He's too Bob Marley man. You know? <laughs> yeah. But you drink a little Jack Daniels, your bitch pisses you off. It's fucking on, you know? I do like the drinks now and again. Yeah. Me weed too. makes me weed makes me crazy. Like, I, I can't, it makes me really, ner- like, I'll smoke some weed, and then in about 15 minutes, I'm convinced I have cancer. Oh, no, me too. Yeah, I AIDS, can't. Pro- I had prostate cancer last time I smoked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've had, I, t- I told my girlfriend the other day that I, I thought I had an STD when I was a virgin. <laughs> That's how fucking neurotic and weird I am. That's amazing. Yeah, I, you know, I was fucking good old Irish Catholics just making you feel weird about your penis. <laughs> I don't feel anything about your penis, Matt, but you're a real swell guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> Most women don't feel much about my penis. Um, but do you, is there a part of you that feels like 
maybe you dodged a, a bullet and didn't for not going. I mean, because you were stealing cars at. I was arrested a few times. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and they put me in a juvie <clears throat> hall, and it was actually a school for. They said that we were exceptional children. But the whole cheerleading team was pregnant by one basketball player. Wow. That's... I was the only white kid around, which was amazing because I taught him how to swim. <laughs> um, and that's where I get my soul from. But um, <laughs> I, I'm glad I got to go to, I mean, I just, it's interesting because I, I just found my juvie hall on Facebook. You know how it says on there, like, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to college? Like, it asks you. People put their juvie hall? I did. I'm so excited that it's on there. It's called the Academy for Exceptional, Exceptional Children or... I don't know. It was a locked facility for the first year, and then I could go home. But I wasn't exactly welcome, so I uh, sort of lived on the streets of Miami, which is a great place to be homeless. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's balmy, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. There was never a need for a sweater or shoes. The streets, I don't know about now, but I mean, that's been a known to be a bit of a rough city, too, hasn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, I grew up in a time like the Scarface <clears throat> time, where like, you know, the Cocaine Cowboys is a yeah. movie that I referenced to the time when I grew up there. And my mom used to say to us, if you hear a pow, 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 it's a car backfiring and you need to duck behind a bush or, or anything that's got a wall. But she was just trying to like beautiful life us, like um, not make us realize it was gunfire. So like to this day, I'll hear pow, pow, pow. I'm like, oh, it's just a Volkswagen fucking back. <laughs> <laughs> was, was the area that, that you grew up in pretty like? Or oh, was yeah. all of Miami like that at the time? I at mean, that time, it was horrible. I, I saw this one guy. I'll never forget it. I see a van every once in a while, like, driving around. This guy, they, I was learning how to ride a bicycle. I sold the training wheels, and I was going around the block. And I saw them grab this guy, just beat him like I've never seen anybody beaten, threw him in the van, and then I heard pop, pop, pop. And I was trying to explain it to my mom. She goes, oh, they're acting. They're making a play, sweetheart. And it took me a long time to realize they weren't making no play. They just, like, they killed the, the dude right in front of a little girl on a bicycle. Miami was insane at that time. But now it's, like, totally cleaned up. And <laughs> Well, now all the don't all the celebos go down there. And... Yeah, we have the worst football team in the league, but we're owned by fucking J-Lo. The football team's owned by J-Lo? Yeah, that Jay-Z, everybody, they, they own the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I had no I don't follow football much. Yeah. Wow. That would make me not like that team, though. <laughs> Yeah, well, Just based on their musical uh, abilities. Yeah. I don't know much about Jay-Z, really. He's actually really talented. I've been corrected. So, and then how did you, you were telling me before we started recording, but how did you end up with Wayne Kramer in, in the Jail Guitar Door? Because, I mean, I mean, he's iconic. It's yeah, like, no, he's a, he's a legend to me. He's like a living Johnny Cash, but a louder version. Um. I had been playing these shows for a while, and I guess one day he was surfing the internet on YouTube, and there's a video of me in one of the prisons. And he called me, and he said, hi, this is Wayne Kramer. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> and he said, no. And, I, and Margaret actually emailed me, his lovely wife, and said, would you be interested in playing a show with us? And I was at Maker, and I looked down at my phone, and I was like, no, 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 this can't be happening. Like, I was so freaked out and so happy. It was like being asked to the prom or... or which I've never been asked to a prom because I never went to fucking high school, but it was such an honor. And that's when I met you, which was like a couple of weeks later, was at the Echo Prom. Oh, was that? Yeah, was that? Short of a span? Yeah, it was just in July. I just assumed you guys had been palsies and doing this together for a while. No. I had no but idea. What happened was he asked me to come down to the studio and I said, yeah, I'll come down. Like I thought it was just to meet him. And he handed me a guitar and he said, what do you got? And it's like, fuck, I'm sober. And... <laughs> I have to fucking play for Wayne Kramer right now. And I played a song called I've Got It All, which is a song I wrote about um, the viewpoint from inside, from being an inmate. And I played it for him and he loved it. He played along with me and I looked over at him and I was like, you know, trying not to show that I was shaking. And I said, man, I, I missed a part in that song. And he goes, I didn't notice. Like, like he'd never heard the song before, you know what I mean? And he was so great. And he asked me to do that show with them. And then we went to Norco and played in prison together, which was amazing because I... The more I get to know him and his stories, he's a fascinating dude. Yeah, I was had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, I didn't say it, and I kind of regret it, but he's like, you should write a book. <laughs> yeah. You, you could kind of write a book, too, you know? Yeah, people ask me all the time, when are you going to write a book? And I'm like, I'm not fucking done. Can we cut to, like, when I'm in Boca Raton <laughs> at fucking Donald Trump's house with a giant American flag, and, like, somebody else is writing it? I still have so much to do that I can't stop to think about 
I have great memories and I've done a lot. I'm so proud of what I've done, but I still have so much more to do that I don't have time to sit down and go, how fucking great am I? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just interesting. It makes for good dating. I mean, there's never like dead air. I, I would imagine you intimidate some men. <laughs> yeah, there's been that. Um, but I mean, then a guy that's intimidated is, you know, I'd be with them anyway. Yeah, I spent so many years on the road that I kind of missed out on the whole love thing um, for the last 10 years or whatever. But I'm actually like, I'm able to have this wonderful maker, my music, and I actually just met somebody that is totally my equal, if not fucking more insane than me. So, so things are good. Like everything is great. I have no complaints in my life at all. I kind of think, because we're in the same ballpark age, I don't think you can date, I don't know, I was a fucking idiot in my 20s. Like, I didn't know oh what the my fuck God. I was, I was doing in my 30s. <laughs> I broke up marriages, I ruined lives, I was horrible. And for that, I'm sorry, everyone out there. Um, <laughs> but karmic, karmically speaking, there's no reason why I deserve love or not to have any STDs, which I don't. Um, yeah, I don't say both too, and I'm always just like, <laughs> I'm fucking shocked. I make a joke. It was like my, my penis should look like Joe Pesci beat it up in Goodfellas. Oh, <laughs> was that saying it should look like it was on fire and be put out with a bag of nickels? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, everything's great. I have no. I mean, you know, I drive down the street and I'm my heart is on the outside. Like I see everything and feel for everyone. Unfortunately. And I'll see a homeless guy on my way home, and I'm like all pissed because I got to sit in traffic in my brand new fucking Mini Cooper, off to go have this fabulous dinner. And there's fucking this this guy that he's laying there, and he may be crazy. He may have made that choice, but I don't know how he got there, and I'm sad about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I laugh really hard, and I fucking cry really hard. Yeah, it's it's you know. It, uh, you have to turn it off, otherwise you'd go insane, yeah. and then you'd be the guy with the cart. <laughs> and I think maybe that's some of those people are that they just didn't have that mechanism a little bit. Yeah, and some are chemically, you know. And some of them imbalanced. are vets. We have guys coming home from Iraq right now that are going to be homeless because they're cutting off all kinds of VA support. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that. I, oh, I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, I feel like I, I'm not fully aware of a lot of those details, but I know as of recently they've been. Some of the vets have been getting majorly fucked over, haven't they? With yeah, actually, money promised to them and whatnot? Yeah, we have a PA that actually, a production assistant that works at Maker that was literally on his last dime from the VA before I hired him. This is a guy who fought for our country so that we can have the freedoms that, it, that we have. And I know that sounds corny, but I don't really fucking care. Um, <laughs> and the guy can't, you know what I mean? He can't go, go to the doctor to check out his foot because all of his benefits, and he has no money. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem fucking right to me. No, it's filthy. Hey, but Congress got a raise. Yeah, exactly. That's what, when they're, they're uh, Yeah, I jumped off a fiscal cliff a few months ago. I didn't know, and I got my paycheck, and I'm like, those fucking cunts in HR. You know, oh, God, don't put that on there. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, God. Um, I thought, that, but they're lovely. Uh, Some of the nicest cunts I've ever met. Are in human resources. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I didn't know. And then, like, wait, I mean, I hated George Bush. Like, I thought he was horrible. He's a whole fucking no. reason. Have you seen his paintings? Both both Bushes, all the Bushes. But then I got a $200 check from him. Remember that when that went I down? I did. I and think I, I like, blew oh, it on booze. He's actually pretty cool. And then, you know, and then Obama. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about any of that kind of stuff to talk about it. I just know when I was in the Middle East and, like, some of the worst bases in the world, like, seeing complete fucking destruction, that if we walked by a picture of George Bush on the wall... You have to take off your hat and salute the picture of George Bush. It's Even you? Even a non-military? Yeah, no, I'm military. In the, I have, oh, I'm I a GS-14, which is a major in the Air Force. You have to be deployed as something in order to go over there. I see. So they just throw Ooh, you're you You're a major. Yeah, people have to salute me. I didn't do that. Yeah, I'm actually, sorry. Actually, you know, Marilyn Monroe was a GS-14 as well. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Oh, man, I couldn't salute fucking Bush. No. W on, on top all, of All those Bushes, every single one of them. They've done some real garbage in our world. I know. My opinion, they killed John Lennon. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's pretty much my life. It's a, it's a pretty... Well, but, but then what is, what is on the... Because you said you have a lot you want to do. Yeah, so what is, uh, what, what is some of those things you want to do? Well, I made two albums. The first one was horrendous. <laughs> Second one was good. 
I'd like to make a record that reflects who I am as an artist. The problem with music is you need, I don't need them anymore, as we were just talking about. Producers, guitar players, bass players, all that kind of stuff. I'd like to do an album that I'm proud of. Like if, if music is on, my music is on in a room, I'll leave the room. Like I, I'm, I'm not proud of my last two records, if that makes sense. So I'd like to do an album that I'm really, really proud of. Um, and I want to continue to help Wayne and play prisons as much as I possibly can and reform and educate people, you know what I mean? I work also with the Covenant House and uh, some homeless shelters in the South. Like, I just have so much more to do. And it comes to me every day. Like, sometimes I'll wake up and go, I should go to Homeboy Industries and go talk to them. That's a good organization. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, Margaret is palsies with some of them. Yeah, that's a really great organization. So any any support that I can give them is what I want to do. And I just want to keep rocking out. Like, I fucking, I love playing music. What makes you think like you are more drawn to, because it's all, everything you said you wanted to do is mostly charitable and for other people. Which Fear-based, is... yes. <laughs> but I mean, like so many people that are like, ah, fuck, I want to get my money and get my no. blowjobs. Yeah, no, I can, I can get blowjobs when I want them, so I'm good there. <laughs> um, I don't need much. I mean, I love where I live. I'm happy. I have a very full life. I don't know. I've never really sat and thought, how can I make a crap load of money? You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. not, I've never thought that. I think those people are great. Hats off to them, you know, but I've just, as long as I can sustain this level of luxury, I'm fine. And I may want to have a family. Fucking call me crazy. I'm a closet housewife. Me too. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm like weirdly domestic is what I really mean. I can tell you're well kept. I mean, did you tie that tie yourself? I did. And without, Very handsome. without the help of a father, because I, I didn't really know that guy. Well, that's a whole nother episode. I didn't either. <laughs> I don't know my dad either. Oh, really? No, I, I, I met him a few years ago and he basically said, how much money would it take for you to leave and go away forever? And I said, I don't want anything, but thank you for letting me swim in your gene pool because I'm a piece of ass. And that's all I said to him. And I don't even think he got it. But I was like, yeah, that was oh, a zinger. Shit. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. He's yeah. a good looking dude. It's believable. You're not, uh, Thank you're, you. you're easy on the eyes, as they say. Thank you very much. Um, I get that's, yeah, that sums us up. Okay, well, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you very much for taking out the time. I, oh, I did no no good car stealing stories. I was I keep I know I keep okay, going. Okay, there was one where I, <laughs> I stole a 300ZX and I drove it into the ocean. And uh, they called my mother, the state troopers. Called my mother. I came out of the water, and as the state troopers were throwing me up against the car, arresting me, my mother spanked me. I was spanked for stealing a car. I thought that was, I mean, she was dead serious, spanking me in front of the law. Um, and she thought she was going to be able to take me home and handle it herself. I just drove a fucking car into the ocean on South Beach. So that was, uh, I think that was How actually. How old were you? 12. God damn. That's when I hung up my, my car thieving days. Getting spanked in front of the cops will do that. <laughs> Embarrassing, right? That's that's a fucking great story. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, oh, thanks. wait. Before, uh, anything you need to plug? Yes, I, I want to plug... Everything you got. March 29th, the coolest show ever. It's called the Nerdish. Nerdish. Matt, <laughs> Matt Dwyer, Horatio Sands, who actually used, used to... Used to work with you. Yeah. Laura Keitlinger, who I've, I've met a few times. She's, she's a, awesome. She's great. Wayne Kramer and... Rob Delaney, Matt Bronger, and Neil Hamburger. All those guys. And Christian DeGay. Um, and I'll be there cheering you guys on. Where can people find your music? You know how uh, iTunes, the, you can buy those two horrible records I just spoke of. <laughs> um, and also, I hate to say it, but MySpace, all my new, I just throw all my new music up there. All the acoustic stuff that I do here at home, I just throw it up there. So people can have it for free. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, write a review on the, on the fucking iTunes there. Uh, and also, uh, you could donate a little bit of money because uh, we, uh, we are sort of support-based. We don't have... Nobody... Dustin Marshall and I are not guys who make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of time trying to deliver quality products. So you can go to my page there. You can donate some money through my Feral Audio page. If you can't, you know, these are tough, tough times. But if you're buying some shit on Amazon, go through my Amazon link. Buy some shit through there. It's real good. You're going to really dig it. going to really dig it. 
Uh, you could buy, you know, like a book or a movie, and I get, you know, five cents or something. You get it. You get it. Entertain yourself. I get a little dough. We're all happy. We're all happy. Follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer at twitter.com. And uh, you know what? Be good. Power, power to the people. I, I'm boy. I just can't speak this show. Power to the people. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.